Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning. It's good to see you and those that are joining online. I know there are a lot of people traveling this week, uh, having a good time with friends and family, and so we welcome everybody here. Well, I hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you've had a great time with your family and your friends. I hope you got enough to eat, and I hope that the tryptophan has worked its way out of your body so that you are wide awake and you're ready to go, but uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. Now, uh, I don't know, let's see, the picture that you see up here, this little, little picture, um, that is, that's my home, that's where I grew up for the first 21 years of my life, and uh, I look at that and it's like all kinds of wonderful memories. Doesn't that look like Christmas to you? Um, but uh, I can remember always, always having a great, great time at home. And except for one time when uh, I was a freshman in college, I came home and during that freshman year I decided to grow a mustache. And I walked in the door of my home, my mom started to cry and uh, my dad gave me stern looks because they knew that I had certainly backslidden, you know, and things were not going to be the same. But I have loved my home. I've always felt loved and I felt cared for and, you know, all my needs had been met. There was, and I've never, did anybody ever run away from home when you were young? I see those hands. Well, I really never did, except for one time I was at my cousin's house. I was probably seven or eight years old. And uh, it was a hot Pennsylvania summer day, and we were in the backyard playing in the kiddie pool. We just had on, you know, our swimming suits and all that kind of stuff. And we had been outside all day. We were tired. We went in to our parents who were playing that horrible game of rook. You know that again, you know, and it's like they didn't want to be bothered with us, and so we decided, well, fine, we'll just leave, you know, and so my cousin and I, here we are in our little swimsuits, bare feet, we take off walking down the road. Well, three and a half miles later, you know, this car goes by, and they they were church folks, a young couple, they saw these kids out walking, (laughs) bare feet down the road kind of a deal. They picked us up and brought us back to our parents who were still playing Rook, you know, and we had been gone all this time, they were dating, but they felt very embarrassed that they, you know, what kind of parents are, are like that. But anyway, back to my house. I never ever felt like running away. And I can remember, especially when I was in college and going home for Christmas, you know, I can remember driving down the driveway and, you know, the, the sound of the tires crunching on the snow, you know, and I would pull up into the, where the garage door was, and we didn't have one of those fancy remote things, no. You had to get up, and there was a key up on the side of the wood there. You had to get that and unlock the door, and then you had to lift it up. You know, that's, that's kind of the way it was. And I remember going up the steps through the basement, up to the steps to my bedroom, and if it was a holiday thing, you know, there was all kinds of food there, everything that I liked. I know my dad had been stirring that rice pudding for probably an hour just to get it nice and smooth and creamy and just like, but my needs were always met. I never wanted to really run away from home. But we're going to talk about 
a guy who did want to run away from home. And you know the story. It's the prodigal son. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your devices or pull the Bible out that is under your seat, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 15. I think the words are going to be on the screen. Uh, but uh, here we go. If Luke chapter 15, and we're going to pick it up at verse 11. And again, it's probably notated in your Bible, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the, my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself to, to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. My, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The, old bro the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story Jesus says. 
I've asked several people of you, when you think of the story of the prodigal son, what do you think of? And it's like people will say forgiveness, or they'll say redemption, or the love of a father, and that is so, so true. And actually, this is a trilogy, one of the, the third story that Jesus has told. You know, he made a mention of the lost sheep uh, before this, and then the lost coin, and then he finally comes with this, the longer parable of the lost son. And you know what I really, really like um, is when people take scripture and they, they paint a picture or they do something that can really illustrate the story. I love our gallery out here. And if you go out there, you can see, for instance, like Natalie McCollum, she painted a, a picture of the lost sheep with the 99 sheep and the, you know, the, the shepherd going after that one. So I thought I would go into my office and pull out um, the oil paints that I had and paint a picture regarding the lost son. And uh, this is what you're gonna see. Do you think I did well? It took me maybe 20 minutes, but I, I spent some time on it. No, uh, this, is, this is a painting by Rembrandt. And I am certainly not an art critic, I never will be, but I love this story. Now, Rembrandt took some artistic liberties and he put the three main characters in here, the father and the younger son and the, the older son, and you know in the story, they're not all together. But I really love, love seeing this. Uh, Rembrandt painted this very, this is probably one of the last paintings before he died. He didn't live a very good life. He had a lot, had a lot of trouble and married two wives. They both died. His children died. A lot of, so he had a lot of suffering in his life. But art critics will say, this is the human expression of divine compassion. And you can see that. You can see the father reaching down uh, to the prodigal son who is pretty, his head is shaved. He's a slave. His head has been shaved. He's pretty much in his underwear. His feet are, one of the sandals is missing, you know, and you can see he's come, come a long way. Um, but I just love this painting. And for the last probably 15 years, a copy of this has been in my office because of what it says to me. Now, I know Christmas is coming up, and if anyone would like to buy the original for me, I would greatly, I think it's hanging somewhere in Russia, but uh, if you have connections, go for it, all right. But let's talk about a little bit about the, the younger son here. You know, he says, Father, give me my share of the estate. You know, this is extremely unheard of. Even in, today, if somebody would say that, it would be very, very offensive. It was even worse back then because the father was so, so respected. But we, here we see the son who is rejecting his father. He's rejecting his home. He's wanting to get away um, from everything that has nurtured him. You know, and I think the decision to leave home is never an immediate decision. It's something that you think about and it's something that you plan. Here we see the younger son, he asks for his father to give him the share of his state. And then it says, sometime later, he left. You know, and you wonder why did he leave? It's because he looked out and he saw the glitter and he saw the other things that, thought, that he thought might meet his needs it became very attracted to him. 
and very attractive to him. So he takes off to the far country. We need to be very careful what we allow our eyes to see. I remember growing up in a small country church, and that was the time when you, the little kids would come up, usually on a Sunday night, and they would sing little, little kids' songs. I can remember singing, Oh, be careful little lies what you see. Oh, be careful little lies what you see. There's a father up above looking down in love. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears. You know, it would go all this kind of thing. Oh, sometime later, uh, Casting Crowns came out with a song very, very similar to that. This, these are the lyrics. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. Give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Here we see this in the life of the prodigal. It's like he doesn't want to be home. He wants to be out there. And you wonder, why has this happened? But you know what? We can take this back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve didn't even make it to Genesis 3 before they were attracted by something else and left. Here they were. They were created in the very image of God. I can't even wrap my mind around that. They were created in the image of God for one purpose. One purpose was to worship and to enjoy the presence of the Lord forever. How far we have fallen from that. I'm um, reading... And when we can see the effects of this, too, because, because of the fall, what do we, we see? The famines, the floods, the wars. We can look around our world today, the addictions, the sin. All of that has happened because their eyes were somewhere else other than with the Lord. I've been reading a, a great author, which I really have not read a lot of, but I am so, so enjoying. And I think you're going to... Pretty long quote, but it's so, so good. It's A.W. Tozer, if you ever have read this, says, the real tragedy in the Garden of Eden was that Adam and Eve lost their purpose. They forgot who they were. They did not know where they were. They did not understand where they came from or what they were here for. They forgot the purpose of their existence. Tozer goes on to say, because the enemy of man's soul has mugged humanity, robbing them of their identity, men and women wander around in spiritual and moral fog, not knowing who they are, what they are, or where they are going. Is that our world today? Is that our world today? Men and women living in this spiritual and moral fog. So the younger son, he sets out for a far-off country. He, you know the story. He squanders the money, and all of a sudden, there's a famine in the land, and he began to be in need. He hires himself out to feed pigs, which is unthinkable in Jewish culture. Now, and he's so hungry that he wants to eat the pods from the pigs that the pigs are eating. Like I said earlier, I grew up in the country, and there was a farm down the road, and I, as a young kid, would go down and help do whatever, bale hay or, you know, whatever. But I also remember feeding pigs. And trust me, the pods would have been the very, very best thing that the pigs were eating. I remember carrying that bucket full of rotten eggs and rotten vegetables and all that kind of stuff and throwing that out for those pigs, and they thought it was wonderful, you know? 
Can you imagine being in that place? But what I love, one of the, my favorite, favorite verses of this story says, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Uh, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Haven't we all been there? Haven't we all been there at some point in our lives? we all of a sudden realize that the things that so attracted us, they don't hold their glimmer anymore, and they leave us worse than when we, when we first found them. I, again, remember I came to the Lord when I was 11 years old, and I confessed all my horrible sins that 11-year-old could do, you know. But in honesty, I have found myself in this position of the prodigal many times in my life after that thinking how could I have done what I've done why did I not see why did I not know in 1982 there was a little girl born to a missionary couple now I do not know this missionary couple and I do not know the life of this little girl However, I do know that many years later, she appeared on my television screen. And may, maybe some of you, and also on an, in a Netflix special or the season. And the program was called LA Inc. I see some of you nodding your head. She was known as Kat Von D, and she was one of the best tattoo artists in the world. They had, she had this big program, and many of the, many celebrities, singers, you know, rock stars, all this kind of people would come in just to be tattooed by her. What we didn't see on that program was that her life was a wreck. She had been married several times, been divorced several times. She was into witchcraft. She was into the occult. She was into New Age. She went through rehab several times for alcohol and drugs. And all of a sudden, she realized that she was in a very, very dark place and very, very, very depressed. And so she made a decision, maybe because of her parents or how she was raised, that she was going to change her life. She came back to the Lord, which was so amazing. She sold the, her her studio in LA, and now she's living in Indiana, a little south of uh, Indianapolis. But just like the younger son, she realized that the stuff that she was so after did not satisfy. All the glitter was not gold. And she found us that, that she found out that she was empty, more empty than when she started. Let's change gears a little bit. Have you ever taken the Myers-Briggs personality test? How many of you have done that? Yeah. Oh, painful. 
I so remember doing I think I've done this twice in my life. And it's like 800 questions and then you can have the choice of four answers from like always to never and stuff in between. And, but halfway through, the, they would say kind of like the same question, but just word it a little differently. And you go, oh, now how did I answer it the first? Should I change my, and you go, I hope I'm not an ax murderer. You know, it's like, please, I just hope I, but anyway, being at the university for the last years, we did all kinds of personality tests from Myers-Briggs to a disc test and strength finders and working genius, all those kind of things. And what it does is it helps you as a team to know how you can better work together. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And uh, do you know what is so amazing? We are so, so very different. None of us are the same. Even though we may come in the same category, none of us are the same. God is so creative. You know that your fingerprint is different from the billions of people that have lived before or will be coming at. Look at your thumb for a minute. Look at your thumb. Do you see that thumbprint on there? That is you. That is you. No one is like, do you know what that means? That means you're really thumb buddy. I don't know if I'll do that in the second service or not, but, it, but here we go. All right, so, but one of my favorite tests that we have done was the Enneagram test, and I don't know if, but there's nine categories, and it just does your personality, and it doesn't matter if you're a one or a seven, they're not in order, they're just who you are. Well, I am a one. I am a one on the Enneagram, and I know there are some that are ones here, uh, but that, the one is a perfectionist. And so these are some of my qualities. Would, I want to read them to you, because you need to know them. I'm conscientious. I have a strong sense of right and wrong, always striving to improve. I'm well-organized, detailed, fair, productive, and reliable. Isn't that wonderful? Amen, yes, thank you. All right, but you know what? There's another side to the coin. I'm judgmental. I'm critical. I correct others. I'm rigid. I'm self-righteous. I'm attached to rules and order, and I'm resentful of any deviation by others. I have an air of ethical and moral superiority. Who would like to be my friend? Yeah. Do you know what I say to that? I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit that works in our lives on those weak points. But do you know what? Do you know what this says to me? I can relate to the elder son. I can so relate to him because I was raised in the church. I was told to do right, not to do wrong. I was told to obey the rules. I did. And if I would be completely honest, when I was a young Christian, I would be a little envious of the prodigals that would come home. Because you know what? They had the good testimonies. And there I could stand with my arms folded and I could say, yeah, good, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, good for you, yeah. But you know what? The outward son, yeah. Although he obeyed the rules and he was obedient, 
he was still as lost as his younger brother. Outwardly, he looked great, but he was still lost. This is what he says. All these years I have been slaving for you. What a word, slaving for you. The younger brother was a slave. The older brother calls himself a slave. I have never disobeyed you, but yet you never gave me this. You never gave me that. But now this son of yours who has come home, and what do you do? You throw this big celebration. You throw this big party, but you never did that for me. There can be so much judgment within me. There can be so much judgment within the church. When we were in college, um, Gail and I were married. We got, we were... I was out of school, she was still in school. We were married and I had uh, my former roommate. We, we sang a lot, we sang on, at campus and that kind of thing. And uh, after we graduated, the college hired us to sing and to travel and to you know, represent the school and do re some recruitment and, and stuff like that. Um, and we thought, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea if we had some merch? You know, we need some merch to sell. Uh, that would be really good. So we wanted to make an album. Of course, none of us had money. So we knew these two elderly ladies in the church, and they were, had never been married, and they lived together, but they were the saints of God. You would just love them, you know, and they loved everyone. And so we asked for the money. We said, well, buy it. We'll pay you back, which we did, you know, that kind of thing. But we also had this great communication and a great... Um, a time with them so we asked them a lot of spiritual questions from time to time and I can remember as a young person I we asked them we said now you've been Christians for such a long time pretty much all your life and probably temptation doesn't even bother you anymore and you know what they did they laughed they laughed at us and they said you have no idea they said the temptations change as you grow older. She's, they said, we have to constantly guard about our attitudes, our criticisms, because you know, things in the church aren't like they used to be. So we can get so judgmental and we can grumble and we complain and all this kind of stuff, but it's the attitudes. And she said, we have to be so careful about that. I'm so grateful that I heard that as a young person because now I'm not young. You know, and uh, that can so happen because of my personality, the things that I can fall into that trap as well. I told you just a few minutes ago about this Kat Von D who came, lost, who came from her bad life of sin and she is now a Christian. Do you know what her prayer is? You can go online and you can find her prayer. She says, please pray for my husband because even though he goes to church with me, he will not become a Christian because some of the most critical things that have been said about me come from people within the church. And he doesn't want to have any part of that. Isn't that amazing? What, what, it, what does it say about us? But anyway, let's get back to this, the older son. What does the father say? He says, my son... You are always with me, 
and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Oh, what a wonderful father. What a wonderful father. He expresses the unlimited compassion, tenderness, and mercy of God. You know what? God is always looking for us. I, I think of this story, you know, the father ran out to meet his younger son. The father also went out to get the older son. He is always looking for us. He's the shepherd. You know, he's looking for the lost sheep. He's the woman that was looking for the lost coin. And then the, lastly, he is the father that is looking for his prodigal son. And he goes out and pleads with the older son. God never hides. He comes searching for us. We are the ones that hide. He wants to bring us home. He wants to celebrate. He wants to have a party. You know, when, when the prodigal son came home, the father had every right, instead of running out to meet him, do you know what a custom of that day, if there was a broken relationship, that father could have met him at the door with a clay pot, and he could have picked it up and smashed it on the ground, just as a symbol of this is our relationship. It is broken. But oh my goodness, what a difference our father does. The father, he doesn't say, to the prodigal son, he doesn't say, where have you been? Who have you been with? What do we have to do to clear this family name? You know, you can come back for a six-month probation, you know, and we'll work out a payment plan so you can pay back the money that you took. Instead, he doesn't say anything like that. Actually, he doesn't even speak to his son. He speaks to the servants, and what does he say? Bring the robe, bring the family ring, put sandals on his feet. All those signs of freedom, all those signs of freedom. You know, there's a Negro spiritualist that when we, get all, when we all get to heaven, all God's children are going to wear shoes, and we're going to walk all over, because shoes, if you don't have shoes, you can't run very far. You can't get away. But this Father gives us all the signs of freedom. Listen to some of these scriptures. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then the psalmist goes on after that 25 more times, saying his love endures forever. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I think we can all say this one together, John 3.16, but it has to be in King James. Can you say King James? Let's try it. 
For God so loved the world. Come on, you can do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're coming close to Christmas. What a great verse that is for Christmas. But reading these scriptures today, this story of the prodigal son, what really does that say to us today? And I think to get the full grasp of what Jesus is saying here, we really need to go back to the very, very beginning of chapter 15. And this is what it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Do you know what muttering is? Yeah, they muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus begins to teach all of three of these parables. And what does he say? What are some of the key points that we can take away from this? Number one, it doesn't matter if I'm the younger son. It doesn't matter if I'm the older son. I'm the son and daughter of, very, of a very compassionate father. Amen. It's an invitation to me to show the same compassion to others that the Father has shown to me. It's an invitation to forgive unconditionally, no strings attached, and to give generously. Do you know what? As we grow in the Lord, as we become more mature in Him, I can look at this painting, and maybe you can look at this painting too, and maybe we remember times when we were a prodigal, or maybe we remember times when we were the elder son. But what Jesus is saying to us is we need to become so much more like the Father and to extend those arms and those hands of mercy and grace to people who have lost their purpose, who people who don't know where they are, or people who don't know who they are, and they're still searching. We're coming into this beautiful Christmas season, and I, you know, I don't know who's gonna be around your dining room table for, for Christmas. I don't know who is gonna be around your tree or who you're gonna, what party you're gonna go to at work. But my prayer is that as we go out from here, that we can be his hands and that we can be his feet to a lot of people who have lost their way and are wounded and hurting in their journey of life. I don't know what the Lord has said to you. I know what he said to me over these days of reading this and soaking this in. But however the Lord speaks to you, um, we can pray. And we're going to sing in just a little bit. And I love that our altars are always open. 
but uh, let's pray, and if anybody wants to pray, you are welcome to do that. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you so much for realizing again how much you do love us, the price that you paid, and as we come into this joyous season, that we would once again be reminded of the awesome price that you paid for us to become one of us, to walk among us, to show us the love of the Father. We give you these moments. We give you permission to finger around the areas of our heart that maybe is not like you. Just speak in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.